Rafael, I'm really excited to be speaking to you today because um, you've done some amazing things, particularly when it comes to getting uh, people organized for business. And that's a very hard thing to do. Where did you first get this idea to start up a community or an, or an event or things like that for businesses? Where, where did this come from and why did you decide to do it? Sure, so um, you came back with the show with it started in 2017. Um, I had been working in the, you know, corporate world, the sales world for quite a long time. Um, and in particular, I was working on a show called the UK Investor Show. Um, so I was selling on that show, um, big show. Um, you know, we had a huge financial bank exhibiting and attendees from across the world would literally kind of travel down um, to the venue to, you know, to see and, and buy some of the products and services. And so during the day, there was, you know, speaking going on, there was workshops, etc. Um, and it was something which I really enjoyed, really enjoyed being a part of. But it also kind of dawned on me as well, speaking to some of my peers, that, that actually there wasn't an event um, for the black community on that kind of magnitude. Um, but also one that um, was one of, you know, excellence as well. Um so it was something which I wanted to pretty much replicate. So the UK Black Business Show takes place at the exact same venue that the UK Investor Show was taking place in um, at the Queen Elizabeth opposite the House of Parliament, Westminster Abbey. Um, the reason it's there is because, you know, I didn't want to go cheap. I wanted to get a building that showed that, you know, we, we could be in the same spaces as, you know, um, some, some of the huge white-owned businesses, huge financial banks. Um, so that's kind of where it all started, um, and you know the whole idea was to just create a platform to inspire and connect, you know, black business owners and professionals in various industries. But we have, you know, from fashion to hair and beauty to, you know, legal services to tech, um, any sort of business, you know, that they can come to the UK Black Business Show. But as well as that, it's a chance for you to kind of be inspired as well. Um, so even me myself, you know, growing up. A lot of my black role models were, you know, musicians, sports players. Um, but, you know, now obviously we've got a lot more, you know, access to role models. But um, it's a chance for you to come and be inspired by some of the leading black professionals within the UK and the community. Um, so, it's, yeah, really just kind of twofold, you know, um, a chance for you to sell your products as well. Um, it, it's probably a space where... You know, unlike any other space throughout the year, you can go in and predominantly you get there's black people there. And when I say predominantly, I mean uh, an event with, you know, over 1,000 people, which has predominantly black people. There's not many kind of events like that in the UK. Um, so, it's, yeah, really a special event, really, really special event. Um, and that's, yeah, pretty much how it came to, uh, yeah, how it was created. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Uh, you just reminded me of when I was a kid, uh, you know, you'd watch TV and you always want to become what you can see. So I would see Will Smith on the TV and be like, oh man, when I grow up, I want to be exactly like him. You know, he's tall, yeah. he's goofy, he's got big ears and stuff like that. But you touched on something which is very important, which is you wanted to highlight people beyond sports entertainment where black people are shown quite a bit, you know? Um, so in terms of having role models that were business leaders, did you have any as a kid? And did you think that there were enough for you growing up? 
You know, growing up, I had role models that were in sports and inter entertainment, much like Will Smith and people like that, um, but never business leaders that were black that I could look up to per se. You know, there were few and far between. Did you have any black business leaders that you looked up to as a kid and, and things like that? That's, a, that's exactly one of the reasons I created it, because no, not really. I didn't have many black business leaders. Um, but the, the, the few that I can remember are, the, you know, the people like Levi Roots, um, you know, was one of the first kind of black entrepreneurs, business people that I saw, you know, really doing great things on TV, um, being on, you know, Dragon's Den, etc., and kind of just branching out into all these different entrepreneurial brands that he created. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't really have many. A lot of those were like the Alan Sugars, the Richard Bransons, were, were you know, my business role models. Um and as much as it's, it, they're still kind of great business role models, um, it's always great to have, you know, role models that reflect you, um, that represent, you know, how you look, because it makes you feel like you can make it as well. Um, so that's the importance of the UK Black Business Show. Um, and yeah, that answers the question. Yeah, no, it does. I'm interested to find out more about you as a person, because for you to take on such an undertaking, man, you got to have some some confidence man you got to think i can i can be the person to bring a thousand black businesses together um because there's a need but that i'm capable of doing this where did you get that sense of confidence from especially since you didn't have many black business leaders to look up to and what were you nervous about when you decided to kick this off uh, i think 100 percent when you're, you you kick off anything you're you know you're fairly nervous about doing things um i actually started setting up music and events music and comedy events prior to the UK Black Business Show, actually. Oh, really? Um, so I used, yeah, so I used to run a show called Music and Banter, um, which basically mixed, you know, upcoming musicians with um, some of the well-known comedians. So the people like who are popular now, like Mo, Gilli mm. Mo Gilligan, Mo the Comedian, um, Kojo, uh, Adop Comedian, KG the Comedian, um, they all perform regularly at my shows. Um, so I, I kind of already was in the event space um, and that kind of, you know, gave me the confidence to know that, I, you know, I can put on an event. Um, but yeah, I was just, I think it was nervy at the start. Um, you know, I, I obviously did ask for advice on what to do, but I planned it well. Um, and I honestly think I, I'm probably the better, was the best person in a, in a position to be able to set up at that time with, you know, some of the connections that I had already made um, and being able to, you know, I, I was working for an exhibition mm. company as well. Mm. Um, so I knew how to do it. I knew how to make it excellent um, as well and not just, you know, something that was kind of, not something that was quickly put together, but something which just um, showed excellence for the black community. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. You always want to show you or put your best foot forward because we know that typically you can have a, a sort of mark against you being black that, oh, it's not going to be done well or things are going to be late. I can imagine when you first start, you know, set it up. I don't know if you know this sort of common colloquialism about like African time, you know, people show up two hours late and, you know, be chilling, that kind of thing. Did you have to overcome some of those barriers when you were trying to, you know, get serious about this in terms of either logistics or misconceptions or things that were out there? Yeah. That, that's what I mean. We actually had 
people phone up the venue to see if the show was real, if it was really <laughs> taking place. Um, so, I mean, that's probably the biggest, like, you can, you know, I'm sure if it was another show, people wouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Um, but people were looking at the, the website, the website looked amazing, the venue looked incredible, and people were phoning up, is this really happening, <laughs> a black business show? Um, so that's one of the kind of the earliest memories that I, I could remember um, of, you know, some of the challenges that I faced in just even getting buy-in from the black community. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for us, it was, it's about, you know, trying to do things as well on time at the show, making sure things aren't running late. Um, I mean, that happens at all shows, but, you know, us as black people, we can do things to time. You know, we can do excellent things. So, of course, we, we try to make sure our show is, you know, extremely high quality in everything we do. I don't know if you've noticed that there is more of a black economic unit in America. So they have things like the United Negro College Fund and things like that. But even there, there is some sometimes this dog-eat-dog dog mentality where black people don't come together to create that sort of black Wall Street and things like that. In America, they've had a bit more success. But here in the UK, honestly, I was quite surprised when I first came to see that there wasn't a sort of black economic unit. And the first time I thought about it was when I actually came to the Black Business Show. Someone invited me and they were like, hey, check this out. And I went there and I was amazed. And I thought, man, why don't we have more of this? And then over the next two two or three years, more has come out of it. But why do you think there is that sort of um, dog-eat-dog, not a sort of we're all in this together mentality within the black business community or do you think that that's not true that you know we we do have more cohesiveness than people think i completely hear both sides firstly i think you know america is so much bigger um and there's a lot more black people as well mm. and also the, the black American struggle is completely different to the black UK struggle as well at the same time. Really? They've gone through, their, well, their history that they've gone through um, is completely different to ours in terms of, like, the slavery mm. aspect as well. Mm. Um, so I think that whole, you know, that, that history of, you know, going through that ha has made them, you know, want to kind of come together a bit more, you know, quicker and unite more. Um but in the UK, obviously, we don't have that kind of history of the, the huge oppression, although um, it's something that's very close to our hearts as well. Um, and it affected, you know, everyone um, globally. That that also is, you know, that's that's something that the Americans, it, the, the black Americans had to deal with. Um, in terms of, you know, a community, I think the community is getting stronger. There are a lot of kind of black organisations that have been created, um, especially um, after, you know, the death of George Floyd, a lot has been coming out. Um, but there are definitely great kind of organisations that work with a number um, of, of organisations and there's no point in doing what I do and not connecting with other organisations or it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, the whole idea is to, um, to create more black businesses, to, to help them grow, to, you know, to inspire the, the younger generation. Um, so I think there definitely is a unity, it's growing. Um, it's not as strong as, um, I think this year it's got, got a lot stronger mm. um, because of kind of things that have gone on with like Black Lives Matter, etc. But uh, yeah, um, it, it could be a lot stronger. So I completely understand where, you know, where you're coming from in terms of that question. 
Yeah, no, it's it's one of the, the first things that I observed when I when I came over here. But uh, I mean, everything has to start from somewhere, man. And then next thing you know, a couple of years later, then there's this whole economic ecosystem. One thing I do get worried about, though, is a lot of times I see people creating things that I don't think are as high a value add. And I'll be specific. So, for instance, you'll see someone creating sort of a another hair salon or maybe solving for things that are only spe uh, specific to our community. But really, the future is in, you know, the Amazons of the world. It's in creating the next payment system. It's all that, that kind of stuff. Do you see, yeah. well, actually, more specifically, why do you think there's a lack of sort of black tech forward driven companies? Or maybe is that just my perception and my reality that we were only creating low value types of businesses? Yeah, I think um, of recent, there's, there's, there has been a shift away from, you know, before, like, some of the most popular businesses for black businesses were, you know, fashion, yeah. hair and beauty, Restaurants. Um, and, and, and food. Um, and we, 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 we noticed that in, in, in terms of the growth of the UK Black Business Show from 2017 mm. to 2020. We, we've seen the development of, you know, um, other industries creeping in. Um, so tech industry has been creeping in in 2019 to 2020. Uh, you know, services like the legal services, business services, that's been creeping in. Um, but those are just things that, you know, that are very much kind of aligned to black culture, if you think about it, you know, hair and beauty. Regardless of how rich or poor you are, you, ladies need to get their hair done, you know. The guys <laughs> need, need to, to look get good. their trim. Yeah, that's it. The guys need to get their trims done. Um, in terms of food, that's part of our culture as black people. You know, Christmas time, you know, yeah. dinner time, sitting around with a family. Whether you're African, you're Caribbean, or, um, for, you know, from any country, food is important, an important part of the black community. Mm. And then, of course, fashion, where just no, black people are known to be actually probably, you know, we, we actually set trends in terms of, you know, <laughs> fashion you know a lot of the things that are popular today is because you know the black community um also you know in, endorse things like that and we actually spend a lot of our money mm -hmm. on those products which are not necessarily black owned exactly um, so we you know we, we support a lot of these fashion brands in business like great we're, we're huge consumers so i think that's where the problem was mm. it was just that it was all of these things are aligned so to our community so it's so easy for us to be like oh I want to do that as well um, but now what we are seeing is we are seeing some great people kind of creating amazing tech brands mm. and legal services and because actually we need all of these services actually it's important that we're you know we have people in all of these different industries because we can't just rely on a few industries mm. to be able to make a difference um so I don't know if I've gone off on one. <laughs> no, man, that's great. In fact, you actually made me think about something. I don't know why, but it seems like we always romanticize something that isn't our own. When I was in America, you know, they would romanticize Gucci or, you know, all those kinds of brands which aren't ours. In 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 Botswana and Nigeria where I grew up, you know, some guys would try and drive American cars or they would try yeah. and, you know, speak with when you hear uh, you know a black African guy saying, you know, the N-word and it's like, guy, we don't say that here. Like, well, you know what you're doing, that kind of thing. But it's it's almost romanticizing something that's foreign. Do you think that sure. comes from an inferiority complex that we think others have have it better or like Gucci's better and our own brands are not as good? Or where do you think that stems from? Yeah, uh, 
I, I wouldn't say kind of I wouldn't really put to that kind of thinking in that mind frame but mm. I would just say you know it's we, we want to wear nice things we want to wear popular thing um, and you know unless it's kind of endorsed by you know and got huge kind of name behind it or branding um, we're kind of very unlikely to wear it so obviously when people are creating things like uh, like P. Diddy's brand like the, his bad boy label um, I think it was the Sean John um, mm. that was popular for a moment mm. um, I think Jay-Z created his, his own brand so there has been a time where we've actually bought into black owned brands mm. um, but I think it's just the whole popular culture um, that you know black people tend to, to buy into mm. but actually we are so much we drive popular culture so much so that you know, if we actually work together, um, we could have, you know, our own huge brand like Gucci and everyone's buying it. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that's, that's my thought on it. Just the kind of, we, we just love the popular culture. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to Gucci by Raphael coming out next yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, uh, I was thinking about the fact that what you mentioned as well, we have this creativity, we have this energy, you know, we have this hustle, we have all these things, but somehow we don't translate that into the business side of things. And it just made me think about how we don't think about equity as much as maybe other, other races, cultures, societies, or whatever it is. Um, so getting people to think like business owners, you know, the typical thing in an African household is going to be an engineer or lawyer or doctor, that kind of thing. You hardly uh-huh. hear going to start a business, you know, it's, it's a bit out of the realm, but equity, ownership, business, you know, uh, owning your own business platform or, or things like that. Uh, do you think that it's the result of a lack of education or how, how do you think we can get people to think like equity owners? Like they have a stake in something, you know, like they belong to it because that's something that you're doing well at the black business show. But in general, how do we get people to think like equity owners? You know what I mean? Instead of employees, instead of uh, not a subservient manner, but thinking uh-huh. like, like a business, thinking of themselves as a business, thinking of professionalizing this creativity that they have, uh-huh. just, you know, not just, being the musician but being as you mentioned the diddy right the actual business guy the guy that makes the deals the contracts making whatever it is you're doing into a business and having ownership how do you think we can cultivate that mentality a bit more i think it's about one thing that i talked about before is you know representation and role models as well we need to have people who are mentors to us who can advise us on that um we need to be able to you know read the right books have access to the right knowledge um, because a lot of people are doing businesses that they could easily scale up, but they just don't know where to start. Um, they don't know, you know, who to reach out to. They don't know, you know, what are the best options in terms of either, you know, getting a loan or either getting investment. Mm. Um, so I think it's, it's just that knowledge, that lack of knowledge at the moment. Um, and it's something which, you know, I think, I, you know, I haven't thought of how it can be done, but there needs to be some sort of platform where black businesses can educate themselves on finance, marketing, etc. Um, so I, I, I think that's it. We, we just need to kind of get access to the right pool of knowledge um, mm-hmm. to be able to start to think, to, to be able to think like like proper business owners, not just that you set up an Instagram page, you set up a Facebook, <laughs> you know, 
it's you know but actually okay have you trademarked your stuff have you done all this have you you know um but yeah that's Man, you're going to get a flood of comments saying, what, my Instagram business is not a real business. What are you saying, Raphael? <laughs> <laughs> nah, we'll, uh, we'll, I'm sure they'll be fine. But uh, yeah, you, you touched on, on some key points there. Are there any books that you read that changed the, the course or trajectory of your life or particular people that you met that changed you know, how your life went? Because there are always those few lucky, fortuitous moments in life that you're like, wow, that was in- instrumental. Do you have any of those? <laughs> You know what? I probably have, but I can't think of it right now. I didn't read, to be honest, when I, in terms of books. Mm. I haven't read many books, but I've got, gotten advice off a lot of people, mm. like just in nuggets over the years. Um, so I can't really kind of think of it. Um, but I have a lot of books in my house that I kind of just dip in and out yeah. for knowledge. Um, but I can't kind of narrow it down to one. Um, but I just get books on all different things, so like finance, marketing, uh, yeah, anything. It's, it's any business book, um, especially by black entrepreneurs, I'll probably buy it and read about it. What do you think makes black entrepreneurs different from other types of entrepreneurs, if the, if anything at all? The difference is that what they've gone through to get the success. Um, there's a lot of, so for example, you may be familiar with the term like code switching. Mm. For, uh, for a professional how when they go in, we go with black people we go into certain environments we have to kind of change the way we maybe even talk and the way we act and we're changing that because we need want to adapt in you know the, the white working world and you know the working world is a white world mm. um, so when you see a successful black entrepreneur you know they've gone through at some point code switching you know probably at some point they've gone through imposter syndrome mm. you know feeling that even though you're in a space, feeling that you're not worthy of being in that space. Mm. Um, and that's something that actually probably all black people get at some point, but even more black women actually get it the most in terms of imposter syndrome. Mm. We've probably been through at some point maybe some sort of microaggression um, where, you know, someone said something to us, uh, you know, about, you know, intentionally or in that, you know what I mean? Mm. Or, at some point we've gone through you know an unconscious bias where we've been denied um funding because of our our name um or they haven't looked at our cv although it's the same as um you know john smith Mm. cv Mm. they haven't looked at it because of you know the african surname Mm. so when i see a, a black entrepreneur i know that they've dealt with all of those things and they've still made a success out of their career um, so that that's for me that's the difference between when I see a black entrepreneur. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. I sometimes struggle with the whole um, victim mentality versus sort of taking personal responsibility and ownership because it's hard to to tell uh, when things are happening to you because you're black and then. You know, also having that mentality of, man, the world is against me. It's tougher for me to get things done, all that kind of stuff. Some people don't rise above it, right? They, they take in that negative energy and they never see themselves becoming something successful. So that line between being a victim, but then also knowing you have the power to change your circumstances. How do you straddle that? Because I struggle with it, to be very frank with you. And I'm sure many of our audience and people struggle with it. But not letting, how do you contextualize the fact that your life is harder because you are black um, and overcoming that, does it mean you just have to have 
tougher skin than most people? How do you manage that fine balance? Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think black people get, I, I don't really see the kind of victim mentality. Um, I, I just see it as, I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment, actually. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm writing a book um, which has been released in the UK and US in June 2021, nice. um, which, is, which is called Twice As Hard. Um, and that's, talks about, you know, the notion that we do have to work, you know, um, twice as hard as, you know, not to get as, I wouldn't say twice as hard to get half as much, but we have to work harder because of, you know, some of the reasons that I mentioned to yourself, you know, the microaggressions, the imposter syndrome, the code switching. Um, So in terms of, you know, victim mentality, I don't think that's something which, you know, black people I, don't, I I still don't think it's something that black people do mm. I think generally we do go through stuff you know um, and I think that whole phrase has been created by you know someone else to kind of brush aside mm. um, some of our comments um, and some of the things that we go through um, so I don't I mean, yeah I'm not really a fan of it not really a fan of um, you know that, that victim mentality because Actually, there has been a lot of things that we have gone through. There is a lot of things in history that has prevented, you know, black progression in the UK mm. and the US, um, you know. So, yeah, I think it's about just kind of focusing on yourself as well at the same time, getting the right knowledge. You can still be excellent. It is going to be harder, mm. um, but you can still kind of, you know, thrive in whatever you do. Yeah, no, I, I hope so. Um, the the goal is to ensure that most people are on the other side, right? Thinking that things are tough and you can overcome it at some point. Um, but yeah, not discounting the fact that things are harder and you might have to go through a bit of a tougher time compared to others. But, uh, you know, as part of the organization that you formed, I imagine you needed a lot of partners, right? Uh, and you've partnered with some great companies and organizers and things like that. What was that experience like trying to actually get allies, partners, sponsors, was it all smooth sailing? What was, what was the toughest part that you encountered as part of that? Toughest part, obviously, um, you know, building a brand for yourself. Um, I think now, after three years, we've worked with uh, JP Morgan, Essential, Goldman Sachs, BT, Facebook, um, they've all been sponsored. They've all sponsored uh, some of my shows in some sort of capacity. Um, but it's yeah, it, it's definitely kind of about building your brand first, um, making sure it's credible. You know, executing, but also having longevity as well. You know, um, these companies want to see that you've been running for this long, x long. They want to see that you've been able to you know put on a good show, etc. So after you've done that, that, that's when you can start to kind of, you know, build your name within the industry. Mm. So yeah, you mentioned longevity actually. So we can kind of wrap up around this point. But speaking about the mid to long term, what's your goal, and how can people help you achieve that goal? In terms of my goal, um, I would just say, you know, to, to make sure that we can increase just to get as many black-owned businesses across the country as possible in the same space, you know. Mm. We want it to just be some sort of kind of ridiculous amount of black 
finally been put out there for the full day. Um, you know, thousands and thousands of people, but also have an impact on the black, you know, economy, not just for one day, but throughout the year as well. Um, we want to, you know, bring some of the best speakers from across the country down as well. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that's the goal for us, um, to just make it bigger and better and have some sort of lasting impact for the black community. No, that's great. Uh, just to sort of wrap up as well, I, I typically ask people, what are some, uh, what are the three words that people typically use to describe you? And you always get very interesting answers, and I've asked some of the other prominent guests as well, but I wanted to ask you to sort of close up. What are three words that people usually use to describe you? I would say uh, calm. No, I'll say, yeah, I'll say relaxed, ambitious, um, relaxed, ambitious, and... Fashionable? Uh, yeah, fashionable. <laughs> like I mentioned, no, no, that, that Gucci lineup is coming out, man. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Yeah. So. <laughs> ambitious and relaxed. Focused. Focused. Yeah, focused. Or entrepreneurial. Relaxed, mm. ambitious, and entrepreneurial. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think focus is key. That's something I, I learned later on in my career. Um, you can't do anything without focus, but seems like you're starting to branch out a little bit now. I mean, you're writing a book and doing all these other things in a couple of years' time, man. Don't forget us when you make it. Yeah, no, 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 no way. <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks.